During that same night, I would get up. My other sister would get up and she'd do the same thing. And then the other sister would get up and do the same thing. And you dare didn't let the other sibling know because you could score points with the evil stepmother if you told on the siblings. So we were all doing the same thing and trying to keep it quiet. Get ready for the uncloseted conservative hour you've been waiting for. No censors, no fake news, just facts and the freedom to speak them. Friends, if you are still in the conservative closet, I've got one question for you. Why? We've sat in silence. We've been on the sidelines for years. How has it been working out? That's why it's an uncloseted conservative revolution right here, right now. Let's get into it. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host in the original Uncloseted Conservative. Guys, thanks so much for joining us for the show. Make sure that you like, share, and subscribe. Don't like if you don't actually like the content, but you're here and you're here at the beginning. So me thinks that you do like the content. Uh, so go ahead and like it. Make sure that you're subscribed because Big Tech likes to unsubscribe you. Wherever you're listening, if you're that podcast listener, give me a rate and a review. Guys, today's show is brought to you by Dr. Zelenko's Z-Stack. Make your immune system clean, resilient, resistant. Your immune system can be weakened by over 300 different immunodeficiency disorders, poor diet, lack of sleep, and adverse reactions to various vaccines. We're not going to call any out or any boosters out, uh, but various vaccines, whatever that means to you. Z-Stack offers a range of supplements to support your immune system, whether you're a child, an adult, or one of our more experienced listeners. Dr. Z sourced clean and healthy ingredients to bring you some of the best supplements available, essentials like zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, vitamin D, basically anything that the left wants to ban is probably in Dr. Z's Z-Stack. Uh, these vitamins are kosher, they're GMP certified, and they are made right here in the USA. The link is on the screen. If you're an audio listener only, go to thejoemobleyshow.com slash Z-Stack. Use promo code Mobley for the very best savings. You can also just access that link right under my head or in the show notes. Again, it's djmobleyshow.com slash ZStack. Promo code is Mobley. All right. Guys, our guest is an American entrepreneur who has created more than 500 technological patents, bringing us the use of technologies as common as the barcode and as complicated and complex as kinematic artifact detection. That last one is kind of a big deal if you're into fighting fraud, somewhat of an important topic right now uh, in today's issues. Uh, fraud, whatever that means to you, not calling out any specific type of fraud, but maybe fraud that the Department of Elections might be interested in. It used to be, kinematic artifacts used to be important to the U.S. Secret Service. Uh, they used to know something about fraud and counterfeiting. And it, it seems like all of those experts have just fallen off the edge of the world or something like that. He is the host of Cut the Crap, discussing culture, race, and American politics, which just so happens to be the premise of this very show, uh, with the little added twist of being bold and courageous to come out of the conservative closet. You're not doing any help in the closet, lying to your friends about who you are. I am talking about the one and only Javon Hutton. 
Pulitzer. We're going to be talking all things elections. We're going to be talking about the culture war and what out as we head into the midterms. Guys, all that and more, and it all starts. Javon, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, nice to uh, be here out of the closet with you. <laughs> Likewise, we're we're in separate rooms, but we we've got closets, so you know we can come out of the closet at the same time. It's so interesting. I I tell people you're not winning anything. You're not doing yourself any favors by lying about who you are. You don't have to be in your face, but just say yeah. No, I don't believe that, or I don't think that, or yeah, sure, I voted for Orange Man or whatever. It'll be fine, folks. You'll survive. We're we're still here. It's okay. Absolutely. Even though they try to suppress us, think about it. All the billions and billions spent to suppress conservatives, we're still here. We're still standing. We're still talking. We're still gathered in mass, and we will survive this. That's how we're built. Yeah, it's funny. I was I thought the words like no one's coming after you um but when we're recording this this is a day after this psychopath runs down this kid with his truck and crushes him uh so in some places uh yeah the the derangement syndrome is so strong that someone might actually be coming after you uh so uh be on the lookout for that um but you know, I know who you are, and uh, I would assume that everyone else knows who you are. But you know, sometimes people are living under that rock. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and what you do, sir. I am uh, easiest way to understand me because actually you're here listening and looking at me. I'm a nerd hiding out in a biker's body, so that explains the <laughs> disconnect of why I can talk nerdy things. Because for some reason, God gave me a face and a body that makes it look like I'd rather just beat you up. But that's not the truth. I'm just here to educate you and to try to do cool things. And so I'm a technologist by trade. Most people think of me uh, in the technology field. My particular discipline would actually be classified as an intellectual property prosecutor. Because when you think of patents, it's like prosecuting a murder case. The patent office says you're guilty, you're infringing on somebody, uh, and you have to prove you're innocent. So it's the opposite of the law system. So I tend to think tend to think completely different than how most people do. And since I've had the luxury of being very successful in technology, I tell people you might know not know this uh, nerd hiding out in a biker's body, but you fingered me about eight or nine, ten times a day. Of course, I mean on your mobile phone because you're using different things on your mobile phone that, uh, that my patents cover that are on every mobile device in the world. And so I just decided to put my brain to work for this country because I believe, as most of us know, when 2020 happened, November 2020 happened, it's very apparent something went wrong. And so the actual definition of lunacy is trying to uh, you know, keep on doing the same things, expecting a different result. So I realized if we're going to fix our elections, because I definitely believe they're broken, we have to come at it a different way. And so I'm just applying my weird technology brain to making sure we have absolutely transparent elections in the United States where not only do you get to vote, that's only one part of it, but your vote counts. But more importantly, your vote counts exactly as you cast your ballot. You know, it's it's funny. I, I think some of your 
your patents and your inventions and and QR codes are cool. I've got a I've got a uh, uh, QR code on my business card and barcodes and all that stuff. All that stuff's cool. Responsive websites. I could care less what things look like on my phone. But thank you for whatever technology is in the Pike Pass. Like, oh my, the Pike Pass, the Easy Pass, where the fact that I don't have to stand in a godforsaken line or sit in a godforsaken line in my car waiting for toll booths. Like, and I live in the DC Metro. So right. that's like, that's like the daily around here, just to be able to go through the toll at 45 miles an hour. It was very simple. Right. Uh, Literally, you know, we don't think about how much our life has changed with technology, but that was a simple one. The fact that toll booths were charging tolls was the number one reason why people were crashing and getting killed and toll booth operators were getting killed because people are trying to fumble with change at the last minute or slamming on their brakes or whatever. So it was just an easy link when you think about my technology that automatically does that handshake that knows, number one, it's you, remembers who you are, know which credit card you're using, and then just link it together and make it seamless. That's how all this has to go. And now you get to go on your merry way and go right through that toll booth. It was easy peasy. That, if no one said thank you for that, like, come on, that that's life-changing stuff. It reminds me... Uh, I don't know if you ever heard Ben Carson speak. He does do the shtick, like, wherever he's speaking. He doesn't do it all the time. Um, but he'll kind of describe walking down the street in the city wherever he is. So here he'd be, you know, walking down the historic streets of Leesburg or Ashburn. Um, and he'll kind of recount all of the the inventions and the things that you see here, the the stoplights, the paved roads, the the plumbing, all of that stuff. And so much of it is uniquely American. You couldn't be who you are in another country. People come here. That's part of the American dream. They come here to know I can have as much or as little as I want. If I want to be a cashier and make the $15, $17 an hour for 40 years, great. If I want to build an empire and have my name and lights on buildings, great. If I want to invent things, this is like one of the only places you can do it. And the government doesn't just railroad you and seize all of your uh, inventions. Uh, and I was just thinking about that. And I was like, Ben Carson could probably do one of these sticks on just your technologies. Uh, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be weird to sit down and hear. The reason uh, I can invent is because I don't understand the word no. And I'm stupid enough to believe that if you can think it, you can do it. I'm the antithesis of what most people think an inventor are. Um, I come from a highly dysfunctional family. My mother was a heroin addicted prostitute. I grew up and was born into government housing. And somewhere along the road, I just realized that you don't have to be where you come from. And that I personally believe, you know, we say we're that we're all made in God's image. And that doesn't mean necessarily God's a white man, doesn't mean God's a black man. It just basically means that we can create. We can also destroy, but we can create. And when you realize that we're mostly limited by ourselves, and I think I just learned that very on. I turned a lot of the childhood abuse, which made me isolate and be to myself, but turned it into this reading books and 
and hanging out in my brain. And because my brain learned how to do the hanging out and the mental gymnastics of trying to figure out where the next abuse was going to come from, I was just able to focus it. And so I say God loves me and God loves me twice. He gave me great talent, but also allows me to apply that talent because there's many educated PhDs laying derelict in the ditch, you know, and wasting their lives. And so I, in that way, I'm blessed. And ironically enough, it was an F, a set of FBI books as a child that changed my life and led me to this day here in time where I now work on elections. Man, that's incredible. Um, so I don't know if, you know, I didn't even think to tell you this uh, in, in, in Green Room. And Green Room is like the, the digital Zoom before the Zoom. Uh, I remember the first time that you came on my radar, it was when you were speaking in the Georgia hearings. Mm-hmm. And I remember something you said that I was like, this guy gets it. Um, you know, my audience knows I'm intensely patriotic. Uh, I am begrudgingly from New York City, but I claim to be a Virginian. And um, so, you know, I, I grew up with the imagery of patriotism. And New York is like a place that's just covered in American flags, or at least it was at, at right. one point. And, um, you know, Betsy Ross flags, which are now like a violent extremist symbol or whatever. It's, ooh, that's kind of weird. Uh, but you said, like, the thing that's at stake here is that this has to be a place where it's one person, one vote. And that's something that people from all across the world, they know if I can make it here, I am equal with everyone else. One mm-hmm. person, one vote. That has to be true here. Um, and you said something about if that's no longer true, if that's not the case, then the, then it's truly the darkest day uh, in, in certainly American history, maybe even Western history. And I thought, this guy gets it. And oh, I yeah. don't feel like that's true. We have a revisionist re- revision going on of our history. They'll tell our children that we're inherently racist because of lack of melanin in our skin. They'll, they're teaching our kids that our country is, you know, uh, imperialistic and colonialism, and this is a horrible place. And that's all the undoing. When in fact, America is the perfect experience and the perfect experiment of flee from oppression, and learn from history. And just make sure you don't make the same mistakes. And so our great country was founded on that. Our incredible forefathers knew it, got an incredible document cranked out in our constitution that's rock solid. And we all come from both adversity and diversity just by circumstance of being Americans. And they've had to work hard in undoing it. But the bottom line is, I believe if America fails, the word world fails. And that's not a, you know, egotistic view of everything only American matters. That's not true. We are the country that on any given day, 160 other countries are are illegally crossing our borders to get here to live the dream. And I tell people, it it you you have to understand what a wonderful experiment America was and why we worked. A few things. I tell people, if you don't believe where we're headed is wrong, then look up the biography of the Venezuelan Mark Zuckerberg. Have you ever heard of the Venezuelan Mark Zuckerberg? No. 
It's because there isn't one. <laughs> because it's, it's not allowed, right? And so when you think about where we're headed and all our kids want to be influencers and all this stuff and rich, there is not one. There's no such thing as a Venezuelan Mark Zuckerberg. But you got to go back to, man, what really made us great? And when you think about it, what broke open our nation, what really, really broke open our nation in manifolds was the fact that our country was opened up for mineral exploration. Most people don't think about it, but it's why we have the post office. It's why we have Wells Fargo. It's why we have our banking system. It's why we have Levi jeans. It's why we have many things. And it's because in our country, whether you were eight to 80, crippled, blind, or crazy, if you were willing to get out in the dirt and find gold, it was yours. And it didn't matter what your education, skin color, or anything. You could literally, if you found that gold, it was you and it made you rich. And you could do with it what you want. And the government encouraged that. We are the only country that that has been allowed in. The only country. And it still stands today. And it is a fact that people got out and relied on themselves, their own will, their own drive, and their own willingness to learn something new. That everybody got out there and dug in the dirt and found their riches and built what is now I believe, the greatest nation on the planet, put in our railroad and everything else. That is who Americans are. We've always been that way. We've always been the underdogs. We've always been the beaten, the oppressed, the suppressed, the one shunned for our religion or, or shunned for how we looked or acted. And we all got here and somehow hobbled it all together and made it work, made it work that all other countries in the world, their dreams, we sit here and dream, you know, might dream of a new invention or new this. They dream of getting to our country, having what we have. And here we look at our own nation trying to destroy itself from the inside out. It's really wild to see. It, it makes me think, do they not know what's going on here? Like right now, America looks like a dumpster fire. It really does. Uh, and uh, and still we have, I, I think, 2 million uh, people have crossed. Uh, they say migrants now, illegals, not politically correct. It's kind of interesting. I wonder if I could pull that on a police officer, just, you know, is right in the middle of arresting me, and I'm like, you can't say what I was doing was illegal. That's racist. No, uh, you just tell them when they pull you over and you're illegal and don't have a driver's license, you just tell them you're on the way to vote, and therefore you have an excuse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to you talk about uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> responding to that crazy woke woman's, I don't know if she was a high school teacher or professor, but her her exam, her, her paragraph essay question, uh, can you identify a privilege that you have and what it would mean for right. it to be taken away? And you said... <laughs> Well, your greatest privilege was living and breathing. And if it got taken away, you'd become a Democrat voter. That's what that would mean. <laughs> and yeah, I, I wonder about that. You know, maybe I haven't done any of those, uh, you know, genealogy things, but maybe I should and just see if any of my long dead and forgotten relatives are voting for uh, whoever they're going to put up, Michelle Obama, Hillary, who knows? You'd maybe. be amazed. Ask, ask your wonderful, precious wife, the mother of your children, to go back and look at her maiden name. And you will be amazed at how many 
women in America that have gotten married and taken their husband's name that you go back and look and you find out under that name, you're still voting. And even though you're not right, wow. it's one of the biggest cons out there. They're doing it. And we never thought that we had to go back and check the records on us of how we're voting. I've, I have seen uh, legal immigrants come to this country excited about when they voted for the first time, let's say in the 2000s, only to go back and show them their records. And they find out that where they know they voted, it shows no vote. And in years where they didn't vote, it shows they voted. They're switching this stuff all around us on us. It is a massive digital con job. Oh, it pissed me off when I was in the army. I did the right, I, I was, I maintained my Virginia residency and I was out serving wherever I was serving and I voted by mail, which is what vote by mail is supposed to be for, an absentee ballot for someone who is unambulatory or who is away for, for reasons like that. And um, I remember I voted for, not a libertarian, but I think I voted for Gary Johnson in a, a primary. Uh, I can't remember the dates and all that stuff, but I would keep getting on the Virginia Department of Elections website and to look at my voting record, just that I could see, not like a cast ballot record, just, just right. casual what I could log in and see. And like two or three of my, say, six or seven absentee ballot things that just said like pending or something like that, the election was long over. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the primaries passed and, and the general has actually occurred. Um, and my, my primary vote would be pending. And here it is, you know, six, seven years later, and it's, that status has not changed. Uh, one of my votes was just missing. Both of my Trump votes, uh, I didn't vote twice in one election like some of you out there might have, but my 2016 and 2020 Trump votes appeared because I went and I physically voted on the day in person. I know it's crazy. It's, it's crazy right. to think that. Like they wrote this crap down in the Constitution. Uh, and so those those counted. And even so, I'm here. I, I lived in Maryland for about eight months. It's a it's like a nightmare. I don't want to talk about it. But I, I'm but here. <laughs> I'm uh, registered in Campbell County where I used to live. But now I live in Loudoun County. So I'm like, crap. Like, they're going to send me, they're going to think I'm still in the army. They're going to send me an absentee ballot. They did. And I physically took it to the registrar. I was like, what do I do with this? Because I'm voting in person. She said, "You got." she said, I can't take it. You have to actually send it to the Campbell County registrar. And I'm like, do I mail it or do I drive down there? Uh, but this, this vote stuff is out of control. And then I tried to get the cast vote record and they, they denied, they said, you need to FOIA it. So I filled that out. And then they said, uh, they cited some code in the Virginia code and the statute said the records either don't exist or are lost. And I asked, well, which is it? Do they not exist? Which I know they do. Or are they lost? No response. Uh, well, it would be for e either one of those particular ones. First off, they throw out bogus statutes and law just to dissuade you. Yeah, because you And just if that was no the case lines. of where they were not there or lost, that would be, depending on the election, we'll just say it was 2020 and you did this a few months ago. That would be a distinct federal violation under U.S. 42, 1973, 1984 and U.S. 52-20-701, which says these records have to be kept, have to be protected, have to be preserved. In that case, that's the key word for 22 months. 
And people are just used to accepting that the government's word is the government's word. And of course, the government doesn't lie to you. That's horse hockey. They do. And they'll just send these things out because they don't want you to know. Now, I have a problem with that. They work for us. You paid for those mailing envelopes. You paid for that postage. You paid for the printing of that. You paid for everybody to work those elections. And then they tell you, you can't see the results. Well, um, if it's such a wonderful, clean, transparent, best election ever, then cough them up. And by the way, I've even changed my words. I am not for free and fair elections. I am for free elections that everybody has the freedom to vote as long as you're legal. Uh, I am for transparent elections that it all should be transparent and run, right? And I am for that your vote must be taken and count exactly the way you cast it. But this fair stuff in elections, I'm not for because the left always screams that everything's not fair. Fair has nothing to do with it. Transparency and accuracy has to do with it. And they say, well, it's within 1% and it's no big deal. That's just 1%. Well, you know what? When an election can be won by a quarter percent or half a percent, you better treat this like our bank account. If it's a dime off, they're going to be yelling and dinging your account and charging you that chargeback fee. Our election should be the same way. Can we say to these 87,000 IRS agents, it was close. <laughs> My taxes were close. Plus or minus one or two percent. No, that's not how it works. That's right. That's right. It's a shame. And you know, when when in the in the sixties and seventies, when we could actually uh take a dollar bill and put it into a car wash and it would give us our four coins back because it knew it was a dollar bill, that was a breakthrough. And then when people started copying dollar bills. Uh, in the 70s and 80s when copiers came out and putting it in the machines and they realized they were getting ripped off, they taught the machines how to notice the difference between a counterfeit bill and a real bill. And if a simple car wash or a hotel vending machine or even the sleaziest motel vending machine can tell the difference between a good and bad dollar, a counterfeit dollar, a dollar from another country and ours and make sure it gets it right every time, why can't we have that same standard in our elections when it comes to our ballots? You know, me thinks it can, and they don't want it that way. That's right. That's uh, and right. the same thing with all of the, look, we're not anti-technology. You know, I used to work at the world's premier technology consulting firm. You know, this, this guy's got over 500 technology patents. We're not anti-technology, but there's nothing wrong uh, with the paper and well, I would say paper and pen. It depends on what pen you're using. True. Uh, but you know, you you look in France, they use the paper ballots, they use envelopes that are like a hundred years old that they've been talking about recycling. They've been using these same blue envelopes for like the last hundred years, and they're done counting. Now wait for it. I know you're not gonna believe this. They're done counting on actual election day. Everyone right. goes and votes and they count that night. And it's nuts. It's almost like when I was a kid. It's just Absolutely amazing. We've we've advanced. I, I talk about intelligence living on like a dial gauge that has zero through three hundred and sixty degrees, mm -hmm. and that that person that's just like we've advanced so much that we're at the top of the scale three sixty all the way around. Oh, that's just one tick away from the absolute dumbest. That's one tick away from zero, and we need to go back to the middle, like around one sixty is where we should reside. Uh, with this stuff, so I can't I can't speak with with you and not talk about 
uh, election fraud. So uh, Arizona is kind of, you know, Virginia was the top of the game for a little while. Now it's Arizona. Arizona is the talk of the town, the bell of the ball. Uh, but see, people are going to think that was about Carrie Lake. She is very pretty. Uh, but no, yeah, the state. Woman. And <laughs> sharp and great and patriotic. Carrie Lake's Oh, rocks. man. What she said to that CNN reporter like it just lives in my mind. Like I, I got, I have it on video. I'm not going to pull it up there. It'll take too much time. But uh, <laughs> oh, CNN Plus, our our uh, RIP CNN Plus. Um, but talk to us about what you're seeing in the elections of it all with Arizona, with other places. And people got to understand what, whatever's happening. Don't think, oh, my town, my my little municipality, we're above that. No, th- this stuff is far and wide, coast to coast, border to border. Um, but talk to us some about the uh, what what you were seeing in the Arizona primaries. Um, and it's a, it's a freedom show. We can talk about the big F word, which of course is fraud. Um, but yeah, talk to us about... Uh, Arizona elections and or elections more broadly? Well, for anybody to, and I was having a discussion with somebody who runs elections for a state, and they basically said, our state's perfect. We don't have any problems. Case and that's works. when I know people aren't paying attention and they really don't know how the system works. Our elections are broken. Our laws regarding elections are broken, not enforced, and therefore broken. Our audits of elections are all broken. We have to basically get rid of it from top to bottom. But what people need to understand about election fraud, first off, there is voter fraud. That's where somebody takes their dead mama's ballot because it arrived and they voted. That's an individual voter committing fraud. The system will go after those, and it's really a con game. If you're in a state where you have 5 million people who vote, and they find one person that voted dead mama's ballot, they'll go find that person, they'll prosecute them, do a plea deal, let them sign out, and they can say, look, we're enforcing the laws with voting, and only one person out of five million do it, so it's really very small. That's how they play the con game of words with us. Then there is election fraud. Election fraud are the very people that run the elections defrauding us, the nation. This is not only organized crime, And everything you hear about Arizona, stealing envelopes, ballot cracking envelopes, ballot mules, counterfeit envelopes, swapping votes, inserting votes where there were no votes, everything that can be done in elections and was found in Maricopa is done in every single state. The only reason your state's not talking about or acknowledging it is because nobody's ever really done a full forensic audit to verify it. But the problem is you have to understand the political beast that goes with us. The first mail-in ballot fraud ever to have known to occur in the United States where the mail-in ballot was abused happened in the second term of Abraham Lincoln. Wow. That's how long it's been going on. Then if we were to jump forward to like 1948, LBJ was running for Senate in Texas. He had gotten his butt handed to him. He was losing. He had lost. It was late at the end of the night. He knew the writing was on the wall. His campaign manager, think about that. His campaign manager hopped in a car, 
drove to West Texas, and in some little remote Ponuk area of West Texas, found a box of ballots that in that box were exactly 202 ballots, magically exactly what LBJ needed to win. It's called Box 13. You can look it up. And LBJ won. They found these ballots. Now, what's the moral of that story? Ever since that event in 1948, we always have found ballots. It's a normal occurrence. This is a compounding system of fraud and opportunity and bad actors and everything else. Now, I would have told you before 2020, I never believed in the big, grand, Dr. Evil, billion-dollar cabal, right? I just didn't believe that could happen. I was dead wrong. But you have to understand, there are so many little rigs and so many little things that they add up to a compounding effect. You'll have the little old blue-haired ladies that finally got upset because they believe CNN and the you know regular TV like Matt Lowers and that's their dreamy boy and orange man bad. And so maybe they tell one person, I'm sorry, you're not registered to vote or eh, it looks like you've already voted and they kick out a provisional here or they do this here or they slide in a blank ballot during the course of their 10 hour shift because they know they can drag a voter over to it. Well, when you think about areas having hundreds, if not thousands of precincts, and if you even just had one of those rotten people in there, then you understand it's a compounding effect of many different ways. And they don't necessarily need to know these other doing it. And I can tell you a story that I can prove this absolutely if you're going to do something wrong that people don't know each other. So when I was a kid, I had a really abusive stepmother. And she would abuse us with food and soda. And here's what I mean. In our refrigerator at home, on the bottom shelf, she would stash it with Shasta soda. And she would get these little uh, longhorn cheese rolls. You know, they were uh, in wax, red wax, and it was cheddar cheese. Now, that was off limits for the myself and my two sisters. That was totally off limits. That was her stash. And so I would wait. Until she cut off the butt of the cheese, you know, because it's all wrapped in wax. She cut off the butt of the cheese. She'd get about a quarter inch slice of cheese and have one of her sodas. And as soon as I knew she had done that, now I was a young guy, middle of the night, I'd sneak in and there'd be dozens and dozens of sodas in the fridge. And I'd go, she'd never see one soda missing. So I'd sneak a grape soda, right? And I'd see that cheese and I'd cut off just about a finger's width of cheese and go, I can get away with this. She'd never know it. Now, invariably, invariably, the next morning, I have no idea how she had these magical powers, but she knew a soda was gone and her cheese had been gotten into, and boy, would I get the switch from my dad. Now, I could never figure out how did she always know? Was she counting these things, measuring these things, or what? Until I was in my 30s, and I'm sitting around with my two sisters and we're reminiscing about the crap that was our childhood. And I proceeded to say that. And both of my sisters had this weird look on their face. And I learned that during that same night, I would get up 
my other sister would get up and she'd do the same thing. And then the other sister would get up and do the same thing. And you dare didn't let the other sibling know because you could score points with the evil stepmother if you told on the siblings. So we were all doing the same thing and trying to keep it quiet. So when my stepmother would say, there's a six pack of my sodas gone and half of my cheese is gone. Well, yeah, we were doing it, but we had no idea each other were doing it. And it was just a true fact. That's what goes on in this election fraud. A bunch of people doing little bitty moves all the way down to the post person that just basically throws away some ballots because they know you're a Republican. So how do they find these voted ballots that are voted for Trump but never opened in a trash bag thrown in the ditch? How are they all for Trump? Because there's even a cheat on the outside of the envelopes that tips off the post office as to how you vote. And there's a lot of people doing nefarious things independently, and it compounds over time. And that doesn't even take in consideration all the big rigs they do. Yeah, that that's with actual ballots. There's the whole other conversation with machines, which is just don't don't even get me started about machines. It's it's I, I you have these ideas, but when when the news announces before Tina Peters, you know, who's got the ballots and is actually counting them, when they announce exactly what the results are, that's that's really something. Uh, really something. I want to shift gears here. Man, the clock, people say an hour's a long time. It burns by, guys. It just burns by. Um, but you had... Uh, you just posted on Facebook for anyone who's still on Facebook. I'm still on Facebook uh, about this event. And of course, you know, it's about a week and a half after this event. So we don't know what happened, but I share in exactly the same sentiment. It's uh, it's uh, on September 24th, Saturday in Washington, D.C., the January 6th Solidarity Truth Rally. Um, and it looks like a great time. It looks, you know, they've got great speakers and, and you know, go to j6solid.com for more info. It's after the event. There's, there's no danger there. Uh, but you're kind of just kind of waving, waving the red flag, alarm bells. You know, I, I think I've seen this before. I, I was there on Insurrection Day, you know, at the time I, I actually worked for the government. I had all the cool guy clearance and all that stuff. Um, I, I don't know, guys. The, 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 these events are definitely something to be uh, wary of. Um, so tell, tell us what you think uh, well, or, or why you're warning people about events like these. In December of 2020, when the idea was floated, uh, go to D.C. on the 6th to support Donald J. Trump, at that time, I said, look, folks, I think this is potentially a problem, and it's a setup. Something stinks. Don't go to D.C. Stay away. Now, in hindsight, look, they threw several hundred people under the jail without due process and started calling all of us domestic uh, violent or extreme violence and domestic terrorists and everything else. Now, here we are. We've been through the backside of the January 6th committee. Uh, it looked like a trial, but was a mock because there was no due process and people didn't get to defend themselves. And you know they're just on a witch hunt to do whatever they can to make sure that Donald J. Trump doesn't run in 2024. And when I saw this flyer, a few things struck me. Number one, the January 6th committee 
said, we will be back in September uh, and we're going to have more, even more explosive news. Well, that date has kind of been pending. And now this little Solidarity Truth Rally, which is going to be on the corner in Washington, D.C., and you announce these supposed all these conservatives are going to be there, that's going to be an Antifa and a BLM magnet. So when I think about maybe what D.C. was planning, I can't help but think, wow, wouldn't this be nice and convenient for January 6th committee to have people there for January 6th solidarity and all of a sudden start blaming stuff on conservatives if all hell breaks loose. So my gut tells me this is a setup. This is an absolute setup. If you know that the January 6th committee has already said that they're now repositioning Donald Trump as a a criminal conspiracy. Yes, it was an insurrection. Yes, it wasn't a coup, but he's the leader and he's going to activate people. And then here somebody has the bright idea to do a rally about January 6th on the 24th, which there's been a lot of underground chatter uh, that something very bad was going to happen on the 24th of September. So when I look at just all of this triangulation, even from just an intelligence angle, I'm going, this is not a bright idea to actually walk into D.C. on that topic when they're trying to say Donald J. Trump has prepped an army and are about to try to get people to overthrow this government. And they've now changed it. It wasn't January 6th, but it's a pending date in the future that's coming. Everything to me screams that either this was totally illogical thinking or this is a setup from within side to get people to show up on January or on January 24th, excuse me, September 24th in DC and the heart of the beast, which not is going to treat you fair, which is extremely liberal, that's already calling you domestic terrorist. And you're going to show up on the corner and you don't think that Antifa is going to be there. And if anything goes wrong, if Antifa goes nuts or BLM goes nuts and you respond, and and or react, it's going to be about us. And I think it's very short-sighted, and that's what I said. We have to focus on the midterms, getting to November and winning in November. We don't need to generate any more news. They're always going to make up the news. They're always going to make up the stories to spin them. Don't put yourself in the belly of the beast and let yourself, excuse me, let yourself become the story. So I advise people stay away. Of course, you know, we're here recording this and that event has now happened. We have no idea, but frankly, it scares the hell out of me. And all the writings on the wall, it is a perfect crap storm waiting to happen. So even even if nothing happened on the 24th, which uh, it's funny you say chatter, I hear some of the same chatter uh, that I'm, I'm guessing that you hear as well. And... And it's just eerily specific, the actual date. Right. Like the the actual date. The the location is easier. Like people, you've got to understand about intelligence, about operations. Um, Even if you just wanted to get the tiniest little taste, because DOD is in the news now with the the PSYOPs and, you know, we've got soldiers, airmen, Marines, basically internet trolling and and rolling people up. The Pentagon just kind of got their hands slapped for that. 
and they actually got outed by Facebook of all of all people who it's interesting if you actually read the article they said the big problem Facebook's big problem was that y'all got caught like it was an obvious thing that you're doing but if you think about that and if you if you're you know a lot of my listeners like to read pick up Tony Schwalm's book uh, the Gorilla Factory, making the modern war fighter, or something like that. Uh, but he he was a Green Beret um, officer, and he talks about forging a Green Beret. And you got to understand, like what these guys do, what sets them apart in the special operations community is like this subversive. It's non-conventional warfare, but not like a Navy SEAL does it. They go and they live with the people. And when you have friends who are Green Berets, the way that they think is incredible. It's it's almost insidious, but they use their powers for good generally. Um, and it's about rapport. Like that's the most important word to them. They are trying to build rapport. They're trying to get in with communities and have influence in the actions of, of these herds. Right. Guys, mentality is dangerous. Those weapons can be and have been pointed inward. They're not supposed to do it. The DOD has just recently been caught doing it, but Congress said that they could. Congress said just weeks before the 2020 election, like, hey, this is something that you're allowed to do for whatever, you know, unknown reason. Uh, the agency, you know, the the big the big agency, uh, supposedly central intelligence. I can't find the intelligence. Uh, they get caught doing it all the time. I, I would advise against. I was there. I was there on January 6th. It was definitely, it was widely advertised. And there were like three or four different rallies happening, different organizations. And and I still maintain that it was, I hate to say the words, mostly peaceful. But we're, we're talking about the smallest fraction of individuals, quote, broken to the Capitol. Uh, some of them were invited in. But yeah, right. people people broke stuff. And there there's still a lot that just doesn't sit well with me. Uh, I've told this story like once or twice, but I swear when you're looking at the Capitol building, there there was not the type of security that there should be. I would know. I was a security consultant at the time and I managed dozens of classified projects in, in the security space. So I'm I'm looking at the building. The the security was not right. It just, it just wasn't right. The placement of people. But if you've been in DC, especially when there are a lot of government officials in a particular building, you'll notice that either the Secret Service or DSS, Diplomat Security Service, they have more of a public profile when all of those, you know, when there's that continuity. And even double and triple that that you can't see there. They're they're doing it from all angles. Three, four, five layers of security. Well, you look at the guys on the roof and there weren't really many people on the roof. And I am telling you, when you're looking like right, like right, so let me point at the camera, like right here, no, backwards, right here on the Capitol, on the top of the Capitol building, if, if this is it, there's like security guys and then they're all gone. I realize, oh, there's no one there. And I'm telling you within 90 seconds, this banner thing dropped down, this, this white and black banner that said Trump on it. And I thought that is freaking impossible. What, did someone climb up there? Like, no one had breached the Capitol at this point. And I'm like, this is impossible. Did Spider-Man scale up there? And and the security was gone. And I still, I am telling you, man, (laughs) something weird. We're we're not going to launch any new conspiracies here. Uh, but there, if you don't think that there was some type of operational element going on in January 6th, then I don't know 
you know, that I don't was know a how visual to help cue. You. That was a visual cue to send a visual across the crowd that, hey, this was okay, and everybody was celebrating Trump. Come on in this. This that was a psychological operation. It worked. That, that, and it has, doesn't that take banner had to have been released by one of the security guys up there. There was Absolutely. no one on the ground. I am you cannot gain access to the roof mm -hmm. of the Capitol. I'm mm -hmm. telling you that right now. And you certainly wouldn't have been carrying an unidentified object such as a banner wrapped up to carry up there either. Nope. That would have not made it. And everyone would have seen if someone climbed up there on the outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just ask the just ask the plant if you ever watch the White House live feed uh, when it's there for hours and you notice the little bush all of a sudden moves a few more feet because <laughs> 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 it's the guy dressed as a bush. Uh, nothing gets past there. Yeah. I look. It it it's a sad shame that this is, but you're right. It was peaceful and people were peaceful. It was a few agitators doing bad things. A lot of. Uh, people from within the intel and security community placed in it to make things happen. You think you would be there and not respond and your head would prevail. That is not the way it works. Mob mentality is a real thing. And Mob mentality books about it. is a weapon. And having the skill to incite the mob is a very known and well-revered revered skill. And don't think you're immune to it. The way you're immune to it is don't be there. It's that simple. Because we have a midterm to get to. They're already trying to classify everybody as domestic terrorists. Don't allow them to do it just by you thinking you need to be there. Absolutely. Um, so last but certainly not least, you got to tell us about your show. One, I love that it's called Cut the Crap. And I had seen it before, but I did not know that crap was an acronym for culture, race, and American politics. Uh, so as we're wrapping here, uh, tell us tell us about the journey to launch the show and where people can find it and what it's all about. Thank you. I had, I've, I've always been in broadcasting for decades and decades and decades. And years ago in 2000, when I left doing my Fox TV show and stuff, I was doing ABC radio and everything else, had 700 radio affiliates across the United States. And I walked away for a long time until this event happened in 2020 and says, look, I've got to, I've got to come back into broadcasting from an educational standpoint to educate people. And when I looked at the mentality of where we are right now, we just want to grab these politicians and these Antifas and by the lapels and shake them and say, cut the crap. And that's when I realized that sentiment, what I was attempting to tap, was in fact uh, an acronym, Culture, Race, and American Politics, or Culture, Race, and American Politicians, because I believe when you mix them, it's a recipe for going to hell in a handbasket and creating this arsenic soup that sends us on a slow decline suicide uh, of the greatest nation on the planet. And so that's why I did the show. It's very easy to find, just hashtag cut the crap show or hashtag Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. I do a lot of public stuff. I'm on all public uh, social media. You can find me out there on socialist media. And I do my best to, to deliver content and education and having to play by the rules because I don't want to get canceled. I'd already been canceled on YouTube, lost a quarter of a million subscribers and just millions and millions and millions of plays. And so I walk a very fine line to inform everybody. But then I have an opposite side where we can get down the nitty gritty. And that's where I do that on jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com. That's where uh, we're in the trenches. We'll train you commando style. We'll tell you how to do it. 
and we're not going to get banned. And that's where we powwow as family and friends because we're all in this together. But my mantra is I'm going to make you the smartest patriot in the room. But at the same time, if you don't understand how this is done and you don't understand how they pull it off or what it involves, you have no way to correct the record, to to help save lives, to dialogue about it, and to educate your lawmakers. And so that's why I tell everybody, get engaged. It's a one-finger war. I know what finger you want to give them, but I'm saying just use that pointing digit. Share, get out in social media, and become a warrior and fight, period, fight. This is what it's about. If, if a, a handful of people can get on Twitter and move a $70 billion corporation to feel bad about something and donate $40 you know, million to BLM, then we can get here and we can move government too. And so I encourage everybody, look, this is about your kids. It's over for us, folks. That's the reality. We're adults. It's about your kids and your grandkids. And if you want them to grow up in the same wonderful nation you did, you have to get involved. So that's why I invite everybody to join me at jovanhuttonpulitzer.locals.com. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Uh, guys, you know I plug locals all the time. It's the internet done right. It's really it's really just, if, if you've been burned by social media and social media just kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth, try locals, maybe purge the other ones, maybe fast from other social uh, socialist media like that. Um, but yeah, give it a go. Uh, I'm over there. I had to sign out so I could get uh, I had to sign out so I could get this to come up. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and everybody but, asked me, I'll just point it out. Everybody asked me, what is that flag behind you? It is the flag of Israel and the flag of the United States of America. And the only way, reason it appears that way is because when you flip it, you can't actually tell there's also a flag of Israel and the flag of America combined, which I believe is an important partnership. So it's not one or the other. It's completely artistic. So it works right. But I believe that you know, we have to stand strong with Israel. They are our anchor in the Middle East, very important to this. Uh, and we're all this in together. And of course, you will eventually find out, yes, I am Jewish. I'm a Messianic Jew. But I believe that we've learned from history. We have to remember history where we come from. We have to understand oppression if we're going to beat this oppression. So just look for that funky photo and my big old goofy grin and you'll know it's me. Awesome. You know what I just realized? Just realized right now. You are coming to Loudoun County, I think, next week. So I'll uh, I'll see you next week. <laughs> and so I don't know why my brain uh, just dumped that out. It's been a long morning, 6 a.m., men's Bible study, doctor appointment, interview, interview, interview. Anyway. Look, I, uh, love, I love what you're doing. I love your show. I love who you are. I love what you stand for. God bless you for your service. God bless you for having a wonderful family and four precious kids and putting out better Americans. That's what it's about. And so on many, on many levels, Joe, thank you for all you do. Oh, it's my pleasure. Javon, thanks for coming on. Guys, that's all we got. We will see you in the next one. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.